Well, guys, we are in this series right now called uh, We Greater Than Me, and it is a a series based on generosity. Like, what does it mean for us to be generous? Now, here's a couple of things that I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned about, I guess, but there's some, there's some issues that are arising in our church. If you, uh, like today, we're actually, I don't know if we're down from last week, we might actually be about the same, I don't know, but, but we were overcrowded in the first service, and we're at about 80% in this service, which means, like, this has been a pattern for us, and, and this is, like, you maniacs keep coming even during the time change, like, oh, now, some people came in, like, about 40 minutes late, like, I, I ain't gonna lie, you know, but I ain't gonna call them out either. Uh, <laughs> they're raising their hands, we volunteer, you can tell, you call us out, it's cool. No, nah, but it's like, oh, man, the time change, Jack, yeah, man, jacked everybody up, seriously. But we've got to be thinking about a, a third service, and I just want to throw this out there for you guys. Um, it's a wonderful, beautiful problem to have, but a problem nonetheless if we don't get ahead of it. So my, my, my question is for, or my, my request for you guys is if you would be praying with me about when that needs to be. Here's the several dynamics. Um, do we need to do an earlier? See, the first service is always like really crowded, for, which is unusual for a church. The second service is a little less, but still crowded, right? And so my question is do we need to relieve that first service and start like an 815 service today's a bad day to talk about that right but but do we need to do that or do we need to do a, a one o'clock or something like that you know to, to like do it after lunch or something or do we need to do a five o'clock in the evening and thinking maybe that would reach people that oh i'm healing <laughs> all right yeah, that would reach some people that would be not able to come during the morning time and we could maybe do a push for folks that are in the mornings to come to the fire. I just, just, just be praying about that, if you would, with me. Uh, my apologies to you guys. We've been talking about it, and I have neglected actually to, to be praying and asking Jesus what he wants, right? And so uh, we want what God wants. We want what he wants. And he has blessed us immensely with great favor, great momentum, great numbers. Great. We had another baptism this morning, Steve Sanford. Love that cat, man. That's a, if you don't know Steve, Steve is like eight foot tall, big military guy. Uh, called me on, uh, actually texted me on Friday, and I didn't. I had the phone on the charger, didn't see it. Got up Saturday morning, uh, you know, late. It's our Sabbath, and we we took it. And I was in the middle of watching SpongeBob SquarePants, and I saw this text, and I'm like, hold on, pause, Patrick, hold up, you know, SpongeBob, hold on just a second, Squidward, I can't talk to you right now. Uh, and, and it was a text that said, hey. I'll, um, I don't, uh, you know, I want to, uh, can you call me back, not an emergency? I'm like, sure, you know, call him back. And he just said, you know, he's been in disciple group, ship, in discipleship for a, a little while. He's been coming to some city groups on Monday nights. And, and he said, you know, I think God is telling me several things. I need to be baptized the way Jesus was baptized. I need to set an example for my family and start taking that leadership role in the family spiritually, and I need to declare Jesus as Lord. I'm like, whew, dang, yeah, let's roll. So we got the, so it, by the way, and that's, uh, I'm telling you this because we do have the baptism waters ready. We are a church, and I'll talk to you about some of our, uh, our vi- the vision, our, what we call a 2020 vision that we do believe God has laid on us and the kind of church we want to want to be. First off, the first vision that God has given us is that we are a church where everyone is known 
and everyone knows that they are known. By the year 2020, we want to be that church, and we've got to start living that way now. One of the reasons why we have sign-up sheets, if you'll sign your name and pass it down, is that we do want to get to know you. We have people that, that look at these every week, pray over you guys every week by name. And so we want to make sure that your name is known. If you are interested in doing different things, um, uh, you know, in the church, like I said, talked about the Connect card before. If today's your first day, which we had a few people, that's today's your first day, according to, unless you're lying to me at church, um, today's your first day. Um, Connect team, uh, Mitch and Paula Cunningham. If you will meet Mitch and Paula Cunningham in the back at the orange, or in the front, actually, at the orange table, uh, in the front lobby, they have a gift for you if you will turn your Connect card in to them. And so we do want to be want you to be known. We want you to know that you are known. Why is that? Because God knows you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. I may never know that, but at least we want to have like apply the same characteristics of God to our church and get to know everybody to the best we can. Amen. Second vision that we have is 23, and I tell you this only because we've got so many new visitors. We had, in the month of February, over 30 new people that came to our church, uh, which is amazing. So the second vision we have is that we are a church who makes disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples. Now understand something. This, when I was talking about like Steve, when he got baptized, we, that is the first step of discipleship. And many times you'll see people get baptized and they get kind of dropped off. Say, hey, go to this study or, you know, we've got some classes for you. We got this. But here's the deal. Jesus said in Matthew 28, baptize them in the name, go, go to all the nations, right? Make disciples. That, that was the imperative. And as you're going, you're making disciples. You baptize them first. Baptism waters are ready. And teach them to obey everything I've called, I've commanded you to do. So as a church, if we had a life verse, if we had a life statement, it would be teach them to obey. It is a radical departure from the normal, the normal American church who does, I mean, frankly, does not do that. And it's kind of weird because it's so like obvious in the scriptures. I've had people that have been in ministry for 30 years go, where did you guys come up with this? I'm like, Dude, that's, that's Jesus, right? Jesus said it in Matthew 28. It's like obviously simple. But we have made people comfortable, made people, put people in classes, put people in and, and help them know more, but not obey more. And you can know more, but not be obedient. Amen? It's kind of weird we do that, but, but that's the heartbeat of, of, of New City Church is that we make disciples. We are also a church where the community, and you can fill this out in your bulletins, the community is better off because we are in it and the community knows it. Uh, we are having a, a community event, a community meal, and uh, kind of a really neat celebration of, of God's resurrection starting on Palm Sunday, April 9th. Uh, we're going to have bounce houses, cookout, uh, games, all kinds of stuff. Invite everybody from the community. You can, you can, I would love to run out of food. And people go, dang, this is awesome. If you have ever gone through one of our trunk or treat, uh, you know, during the Halloween type thing that we do here, uh, it is amazing how many, we've had hundreds, like, I think the last time we had, what, 450 people came in and uh, through the door. So we would love to see that happen again. So invite, invite, invite. Also, we are starting a youth ministry right now. We're going to have at Pam Sills' house, if you want information about your youth to come, we're gonna have the um, the like a big blowout. Uh, high schoolers, middle schoolers, Wednesday night, seven o'clock. Is that right? Seven, 
7 o'clock, we're going to have that. And, uh, man, I've had tons and tons of, like, we're, like our, our youth ministry is growing like crazy. I think you guys have, like, 20, 25, 30, something like that, depending on the day. It's incredible, right? And we just started that. So Pastor Kyle and the team that he has put together is, a, is an amazing thing. By the way, in a couple of weeks, uh, we are going to do an ordination ceremony for Pastor Kyle, our, our new youth pastor. So keep that in mind two weeks from today. Finally, as we are an extremely generous church this is who we are like we've got to be thinking the way god thinks is when it comes to generosity see uh what we're going to do we've got several things that are going on if you guys where did that go right here this is uh something we're starting on wednesday nights if you want to join us we're going through what does it look like to have godly generosity that starts at seven o'clock we're going through that right now on march 31st the evening friday evening and saturday morning we're also going through what's called a journey of generosity, which is an in-depth look at what it means to have godly generosity, like generosity his way. Not just, oh, I'm going to go give some money to a homeless person, or oh, I'm just going to uh, make sure that I mow my neighbor's lawn and that kind of thing. But how do we, as a, as a, not only as a person of God and a member of God's household, but as a body of believers, collectively wake up in the morning and think, God, how can I be a blessing for you on your behalf the light of the world for you on your behalf today what would it look like if we as a church did that i mean how would man that would freak the enemy satan out man be like oh crap they're awake right oh no they're going to be generous they're going to show people the love of jesus i can't have that happen and it's going to be an amazing wonderful thing to see the kingdom of god do his his thing we're also looking at how do we use this facility to impact the community and bring people to him. So we're, we're talking about, like, what do we do immediately as far as, you know, do we expand, do we build, do we do all the kind of stuff? And it's going to take generosity on everybody's part. Time, resources, talents, gifts, money, all the things that God has given us for us to be able to do anything like that. It is, a, it is insane for some people to say, this is crazy. Like, you guys are two years old. This ain't supposed to happen. This ain't normal. Guys, I'll be honest with you. When we planted this church and we, we looked at the size of the community and we said, okay, man, this is going to be an awesome and amazing thing. If we were able to get to the point where we could have 75 people on Sunday, that would be amazing. And last week, I haven't heard the last count. We're probably going to hit it or surpass it from last week. But we had 242 people here last week. Wow. It's amazing, right? And it's not about just the numbers, but everybody that we count is a soul that God has created in his image. And how do we be generous? How do we help them to be generous God's way? Because God is generous. God is generous. The most popular verse of all scripture is John 3.16. says, for God so loved the world that he, say it with me, church gave right this is a gift his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but everybody say but have eternal life now see this is this blows my mind because i'm reading john 1 and in the beginning was the word the word was god the word was with god and that word became flesh right jesus the word god came flesh and made his dwelling among us 
So when you read that, you've got to realize that from Genesis to Revelation, it is Jesus speaking via the Holy Spirit, writing these things down and saying, hey, when I come, this is what I'm going to look like. I'm going to be born in Bethlehem. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to, the lame are going to walk. The, the mute are going to speak. The deaf are going to hear. The blind are going to see. Uh, when this happens, when I come, I'm going to be born of a virgin. I'm going to be born Uh, in poverty this it's amazing to me all the different things 300 specific predictions that god himself jesus spoke into existence said when i come this is what i'm going to look like so there's no mistaking me wow my hands and feet are going to be pierced i'm going to be betrayed by a friend specifically for 30 pieces of silver i'm going to be counted among the criminals in my death and i'm going to be buried in a rich man's tomb in my burial and i'm going to rise from the dead so there's no mistaking me Woo, man and if it wasn't enough for him to fulfill all the prophecies he rose from the dead as he said he would and People saw him and witnessed and were able to walk around with that confidence and that swagger. And they're like, wow, man, it is incredible to me. So here's the thing that blows my mind, though. That's Jesus' divinity. He's God in the flesh, amen? And I love that. But here's the thing that I keep hearing from people, especially some of the new people that are coming into the church. Like, it's awesome. And I love new believers and that kind of thing. But we've had so many questions from people that are anti-church anti-jesus and i will tell you this yes jesus is god in the flesh but if you got to know the real jesus the dude i'm not trying to dismiss nor disrespect his divinity but if you got to know jesus the man you would love him oh my goodness like like here's a guy who thinks like a lot of us do? The church has gotten jacked up. Like I'm not trying. I'm not crashing tr- the, the bride of Christ. Trust me on that. But 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 many times we have people that have been hurt, maligned, mis- like mis- uh, they, they misunderstand what the church is supposed to be because they've been told by a pastor who Jesus is and what the church is supposed to be. They've been told by their mama or their daddy or their brother or their sister. They've been told by a traditional or the denomination of a church what God, who God is, and who Jesus is and none of it is right so when you actually look in the scriptures you find out that here is a perfect man who comes into history dwells among us and is a radical rebellious uh non-religious like he actually uh, i mean when he comes on to the the sermon on the mountain finds this level and all these religious people are around him man he is what i call he's dropping spiritual nuclear bombs on these guys man he goes you've heard it said and he's essentially saying they've told you do not commit murder but i tell you uh, if you have this murder in your heart you've heard it said don't commit adultery but i tell you if you have lust in your heart and he simplified but challenged us to not just do the deed in the right way but have the heart in the right way and he oh man it's so wonderful it's incredible and he protected people and he protected us from the bullies who said you're gonna go straight to hell if you wear makeup or dance or smoke or this or that and he's like dude seriously it is about a relationship with the father and he said let's pray our father we greater than than me it's incredible blows my stinking mind he was an awesome dude not to be not to be not he was god 
and is God and continues to be. He was, is, and will be God. But if you got to know him, you're like, man, I'd love to hang out with Jesus. And when you look at that and you see Jesus in the scriptures and you go, like, I want to get to know him more. Understanding that, you will get into the scriptures with a whole different light. Like, he is for me. He is my protector. And he's trying to show me the right way, not the tradition or, the, or the, all the, the different stuff that we've tried to put on it. He's like, look, guys, do not listen to what they do. Do not do what they do, what they do, but don't do it for the reasons they're doing it. These religious people are doing it for all the wrong reasons. It's not a matter of the heart for these guys. It is incredible. Paul, who was a murderer of Christians and a uh, a persecutor, he would go house to house pulling, putting Christians in jail. And he wrote, and he got, he got actually confronted directly by Jesus on the road to Damascus and wrote most of the New Testament to the churches about what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be in the church. And he wrote a first letter to the, to the church in Corinth called 1 Corinthians where he trashed these guys. He's like, look, you guys are, are letting some dude sleep with his mama? Really? Everybody's like, oh, cool, right? Always think of Jimmy Fallon. Ew. Right? You, you're letting all this stuff happen, and yet you're, you're applauding this. Well, apparently they didn't repent after that, so he wrote them a very strongly worded second letter, which is now lost. I mean, I, he, he might have, like, torn them a new one, right? And then they repented, apparently. And in 2 Corinthians, we see this. His writing is a little bit different because of their repentance. And listen to what he says, and we talked a little bit about it last week. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Remember, this is, we got to be thinking this is Jesus speaking, his word, right? And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's using Paul to write this down through his spirit. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. Same message. Same message. Same message. Genesis to Revelation, same message. It's a matter of the heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The one that goes, oh, shoot, man, I got to, oh, man, it's an obligation. Oh, man, I got to do, oh, I got to. Man, God loves a cheerful giver. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, it's just what we do. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered the gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed of the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also is, is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. So it's amazing when we actually do it God's way. It's not a chore. It's not an obligation. It's just what we do when we do it cheerfully because it all belongs to God. And he lets us keep almost all of it. What a great God we serve. Amen? Jesus said that the greatest commandments, he was tested by one of these religious people, said, hey, Jesus, what is the greatest commandments? He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, and the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Later in Luke 10, he had knowing that he had taught this one, one occasion, starting in verse 25, 
an expert in the law, stood up to test Jesus. Jesus was smart. It's, one thing I, it's another thing I love about this guy, man. He was more brilliant than, than any of the scholars. He could, he could make them look stupid without ever trashing them. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's really remarkable. Listen to what he says. Next word in the law, stood up to test Jesus' teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you say that word? Read it, guys. We must be reading it. And I want you to be reading it with an understanding of who Jesus really is, not who you've been told he is. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God with everything you have, loving your neighbor as yourself, says you have answered, Jesus talking, you have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this, and you will live. But he, the expert in the law, the one who had been learning from the time probably he was a fetus about what the what the what the word said he memorized entire books of the bible some people memorize the entire old testament and he wanted to justify himself oh yeah but jesus i mean how many of us do this yeah well uh, you know you don't understand what i've been through though i mean i would submit to jesus but but you don't understand what it's like you didn't live my life and here's Jesus going through the same thing because he's been tempted in every way just like us maligned just like us much more so. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I mean, Jesus, I understand the whole greatest of commandments. I understand loving God. But if I just knew who my, are you talking about my next door neighbor? Are you talking about the person I see at the grocery store? Are you talking about the person in front of me and and, in traffic? Because I hate most of those people. I'll be honest with you. Are you talking about those people? If I just knew, I'd obey who my neighbor is. I just don't get it. I don't understand. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. He's telling a story, a parable. They stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, religious guy, keep in mind who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the establishment right here. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Sucks to be you, bro. So too a Levite, another religious guy. When he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. But a Samaritan... A half-breed, according to the Jews, a skank, somebody that they wouldn't even want to be with, somebody they wouldn't want to associate with, somebody they wouldn't be with. Jesus was anything but a racist here. And you look at the Samaritan woman at the well. He is talking to her, and the Jews are freaked out, like, I can't believe he's talking to her. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. When he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, used his own resources, his time. Then he put the man on his own donkey. Got a buddy of mine that has a ministry out of Keller, Texas. He has a shirt that says, get off your donkey. 
I love it, man. <laughs> love it, man. I almost wore it, but I couldn't find it. Brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, his money, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He took his time. He took his resources. He took his money. He's a busy guy. He's got business to take care of, right? But he had pity on this person. And before we get to the next verse, I want to prepare you for this question. This is where I just adore and love Jesus the man. Because the question was, who's my neighbor? Listen to how he answers it with another question. Which of these three, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? What a question. He didn't even answer the question of who a neighbor is. He is asking this guy, this religious guy, will you be a neighbor to a person who is in need? Like, who was a neighbor to the person who was robbed and beaten and left for dead? Who was it? The expert in the law said, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen? Guys, when it comes to generosity, we can't be justifying ourselves in these ways, man. It, it, it's like, it's like, how do we serve our community? How do we as a body, individually and collectively as a body, look at generosity God's way? Like, how, does, how can I be a neighbor to someone who is in need? How does that happen? Yes, we have a great reputation for helping our community. We've done all kinds of things. We will continue to do all those things. But it is going to take continued generosity as God brings more and more people to our doorstep. Amen? I love you guys, man. Like it's, I love what God is doing in our church. I love what God is, is saying. I choose you guys to reach this community. To reach those lost. To be the light of the world. And it takes a mentality that says, gee, I'm going to look for a neighbor to serve. Or, what Jesus says, am I actually being a neighbor? Hey, for when you listen, watch Mr. Rogers, you're like, yes, I will be your neighbor, right? That was a little joke. Nobody laughed. It's cool. I should have stopped in the first service. Nobody laughed in the first service either. This crowd's different. But I love, man, I love what God has done here. His example that he set about what it means to actually be a neighbor. Father, we are in awe of what you have done in this church, in this community. It is ridiculous the number of people you have brought and continue to bring. Like all the new people every week. God, thank you. But, but here's the thing. May we be the neighbor. May we, yes, get to know them, know their name, know that they know that they are known and cared for. May we disciple these folks in a way that you said to disciple. May we be an extremely generous church. And God, this morning we are going to take communion and the worship team is going to take communion after the service. But your word says, you say, that we're not to take this communion collectively or individually as a body of believers in an unworthy manner, 
God, examine our hearts. May we be generous your way. And wherever we are lacking in that or selfish in that, man, God, eliminate it from our thoughts and mind. And as we take this communion together, may you show us where we need to be like you. It's in your son's awesome name that we pray. All God's people in the house said, amen.